Hey everyone, this is Ryan. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background on William Gibson's scrapped Alien 3 script that he wrote um, back in 1987. Uh, before I start with that, I'm going to give you a little background on William Gibson himself. Um, and this is from uh, the Wikipedia page. Uh, William Gibson, he was born March 17th, 1948. Um, and he's an American-Canadian speculative fiction writer and essayist widely credited with pioneering the science fiction subgenre known as cyberpunk. Um, he started his writing career in the late 70s. Uh, his early works were mainly noir, near-future stories that explore the effects of technology, cybernetics, and computer networks on humans, a combination of low-life and high-tech, and helped to create an iconic iconography for the information age before the ubiquity of the internet in the 1990s. Uh, Gibson notably coined the term cyberspace in a short story Burning Chrome and later popularized the concept in his acclaimed debut novel Neuromancer, which came out in 1984. These early works have been credited with renovating science fiction literature after it had fallen largely into insignificance in the 1970s. So, um, and a little bit of background on the script. Uh, William Gibson's Alien 3 script uh, was a 1987 draft for the sequel to Alien. So actually, uh, just a year after Aliens came out, uh, which I wasn't aware of that, uh, Gibson had written his first draft. Um, it says Gibson was the first of ten different writers to tackle the Alien 3 project. And his first draft screenplay is arguably the most well-known of the unmade scripts for the film, as it has been available to read on the internet for many years. Um, and oh, and I'm getting—sorry, I should mention—I'm getting this information from avp.wikia.com/wiki/alien3 uh, William Gibson. So, uh, if you want to read more about this, you, know, you can go to that website. Um, but anyways, so, so basically the story, um, for Alien th 3 that William Gibson wrote bears no relation to Alien 3 as it was ultimately made. So it's quite a bit different from what, what we finally got on the, on the big screen. Um, and the script, uh, revolves around Dwayne Hicks and Bishop battling genetically altered xenomorphs aboard an enormous space station named Anchor Point. Uh, it says here, Gibson later produced the second draft of his script in 1988, altering the overall tone of the screenplay fairly drastically. Whereas the first draft is an action extravaganza very much in the vein of aliens, the second draft radically scales back the number of xenomorphs antagonists to just three, and instead presents a story more akin to the claustrophobic horror of Alien. However, both iterations of Gibson's screenplay were turned down by the studio. His attempts were followed up by Eric Red's unmade script. Um, and now, so what I'm going to do is just give you... I don't know if I'm going to read this whole plot summary, but I'll give you a, kind of a rundown of the plot summary, um, and then maybe a little bit of trivia at the end, so uh, you get an idea of you know, what the what the basic story was and a little bit of, you know, some of the background in terms of actually uh, writing the story and some other details. 
So here we go. Um, the plot. So the story begins with the Sulaco on its return journey from LV-426. Due to a navigational error, the ship drifts into an area of space controlled by the Union of Progressive Peoples, a socialist nation-state analogous to the Soviet Union, that is engaged in an ongoing Cold War and arms race with an unnamed faction to which the protagonists belong. Uh, the UPP forces board um, the forces ab themselves aboard the Sulaco and are attacked by a facehugger that has apparently grown from xenomorph genetic material deposited inside Bishop's severed torso. Befo both the victim and the facehugger are killed before the remaining commandos flush them into space. Before leaving, the UPP personnel recover Bishop's torso. Sometime later, the Sulaco docks at the space station anchor point, where it is met by a team of colonial marines and scientists, including a science technician named Tully. They board the ship and are attacked by two warriors in the hypersleep bay. The creatures kill two of the marines before they are incinerated with flamethrower, and in the process, Ripley's cryotube is badly damaged by flame. She survives, but is plunged into a coma. Newt and Corporal Hicks both survive unscathed. Additional xenomorph genetic material is recovered from Bishop's severed legs in the Sulaco's hangar bay, and Tully and his team secretly begin experimenting on it, under orders from Wayland yutani representatives Fox and Wells. Meanwhile, Hicks is debriefed by the senior personnel at Anchor Point, including Colonel Rossetti of the Colonial Marines and the Wayland yutani agents. Soon after, Newt leaves Anchor Point aboard a decontaminated Sulaco, returning to Earth to live with her grandparents. Hicks is given a job in a machine shop under a man named Walker, but begins to hear rumors of experimentation on the xenomorphs aboard Anchor Point. His investigations eventually lead him to learn of the experiments from one of Tully's co-workers named Spence. At the same time, the UPP return Bishop, whom they have repaired as a gesture of good faith. In reality, they, are t they too are experimenting on the material recovered from his remains and have begun cloning and genetically modifying xenomorphs. The xenomorph material aboard Anchor Point exhibits an ability to alter other genetic material on contact. Hicks and Bishop break into the labs to destroy the samples there. They succeed and are detained, but unbeknownst to them, they are already too late. Tully and Wells had been infected by the airborne xenomorph contagion in an earlier accident. During a briefing between the senior personnel into the incident, it transpires that some of the material recovered from Bishop's legs has been sent on to Earth aboard the Sulaco. The infection within Wells then manifests itself as she undergoes the change tearing off her skin and revealing a form of xenomorph warrior beneath. The creature assaults the meeting's attendees, killing Fox before itself being destroyed. Hicks is released from detention by Rossetti when it is discovered that Tolly has disappeared. While searching for Tolly in the bowels of the station, Hicks and Walker are attacked by the xenomorph he has turned into and are forced to flee. The xenomorphs rapidly begin to reproduce and spread on Anchor Point. The station also receives a transmission from the UPP, revealing that their own experiments 
with the creatures have led to a catastrophic contain containment failure. Realizing Anchor Point is likely doomed, Hicks ejects a small, a still comatose Ripley from the station in, t in an EEV, sending her back to Earth. He then leads a team of Colonial Marines back to the lower levels of the station to fight the Xenomorphs. They discover their hive and a mutated queen, and when they attack the queen, she ruptures her abdomen, releasing a cloud of airborne contagion directly into the station's main ventilation fans. Hicks blows the queen apart with a mortar and escapes with the surviving marines. Bishop manages to shut down the ventilation system, but many people have already been infected and begin to transform. The station where the UPP were conducting their experiments is destroyed by a UPP cruiser with a nuclear strike. The survivors aboard Anchor Point similarly realize that they must destroy their own infested station. Hicks re reasons that they may all perish before a rescue can arrive, and in that eventuality, there would be nothing to stop the recovery vessels from docking with the station and allowing the xenomorphs to spread. To this end, Bishop goes to overload the station's core, while Hicks and the other survivors head for the escape pods, being attacked by xenomorphs along the way. The survivors end up donning spacesuits and walking across the exterior hull of the station, hoping to reach the EEVs. However, they are again attacked by xenomorphs, including a second queen. Hicks kills the queen with his pulse rifle's grenade launcher, but the survivors, now reduced to Hicks, Bishop, and Spence, end up stranded at the tip of a radio antenna out of ammunition, the xenomorphs swarming towards them and the station minutes away from self-destruct. At that moment, a surviving commando from the UPP station arrives in the small fighter craft. She rescues Hicks and the others moments before Anchor Point detonates. The survivors are later picked up by the USS Kansas City, although it is revealed that the UPP commando has fatal radiation poisoning and will not survive. The script ends with Bishop theorizing that humanity is now united against a common enemy, the Xenomorphs, and must find their homeworld so that they can be eradicated once and for all. So, yeah, I guess I did end up reading that whole plot, but, um, and so, let me give you, yeah, just some notes here. Um, this one, I'll definitely not go into each detail, because there's a lot, and like I said, you could check it out more on avp.wikia.com. Um, but some of the notes, it says, Gibson's script is notably the only one written for Alien 3, uh, including even the final shooting script that attempts to believably explain how there can be xenomorphs aboard the Sulaco following aliens. And that, uh, and that re explanation is an egg develops from xenomorph genetic material inside Bishop's remains, presumably deposited there when he was ripped in two by the first Acheron queen, Acheron being um, LV-426. From this egg, a facehugger then emerges and attacks a member of the UPP team that boards the vessel. However, his body is immediately jettisoned into space, and no explanation is given for the two warriors that later attack the boarding party from Anchor Point. Even if more facehuggers somehow developed on board the Sulaco, there were no hosts from which the adult creatures could have been born, as Ripley, Newt, and Hicks were all discovered intact. Uh, another notable aspect of the script is that it explicitly states the Xenomorphs began as an artificially engineered creature. 
at one point. Uh, at one point, one of the UPP characters mentions that it is as though the Xenomorph's gene structure had been designed for ease of manipulation, going on to theorize that they were created by an unknown extraterrestrial race for use as a biological weapon. This concept has long been a popular theory amongst fans of the series and is even shared by Alien director Ridley Scott, but um, but has it says here but has never been officially confirmed. Although obviously, if you've seen Prometheus and Covenant, um, Ridley Scott has definitely gone that direction with the prequel series. Um, and then let's see, there's some more about the script having a lot of Cold War undertones. Um, and there's some more details here about uh, his script um, realistically representing representing decompression in space. Uh, I guess it's not that interesting, but anyways, um, maybe to some people it is, so I shouldn't say that. But um, anyways, uh, another aspect is uh, to the script is that Gibson explored changes to the xenomorph. Um, and as with uh, a lot of the a lot of the different scripts that were produced, um, Gibson uh, he altered the nature of the xenomorphs, bestowing the creatures with fairly substantial new abilities in the story. Most drastically, the xenomorphs in his script now exhibit an ability to reproduce via a close proximity airborne contagion, similar to a virus. When the xenomorph contagion is inhaled into the lungs, the victim, after a variable amount of time, goes through the change as Gibson calls it, and becomes a form of xenomorph. The transformation process imagined by Gibson can be summarized as a rapid and involuntary change in the human skeletal and muscular makeup below the skin, concluding with the newly formed xenomorph graphically tearing the flesh husk off its body. Um, which is really interesting. Um, some of this was uh, obviously explored in Prometheus and Covenant. I think, I think it's really interesting. It's obvious that... Uh, Ridley Scott and the writers, um, you know, used some some stuff from, it seems, directly or at least indirectly, but were heavily influenced by Gibson's script. Um, and also, uh, the airborne contagion concept was intended to introduce suspense as the survivors would not know if anyone among them was infected until a change suddenly occurs. This is kind of similar to... Uh, the film The Thing, which I think a lot of a lot of you are fans of. I'm a huge fan of it. It's one of the best horror movies ever made, in my opinion. Um, and here on the Wikia page, they also point out that uh, that same thing. There's a lot of parallels between that and um, between his Gibson script and The Thing. Um, so, and it also adds most notable, more notably, a similar means of airborne procreation. Um, would appear in the Alien franchise 30 years later, um, and like I said, in Covenant. Um, in the addition to the change, the Xenomorphs also reproduce through the more typical means of chest bursters, although op often multiple creatures burst simultaneously from each victim. One character is even impregnated with the chest bursters after simply being bitten on the lower leg by a warrior, implying the process is also viral in nature. Gibson met mentions that the warriors in the script are bigger, meaner, faster than the creatures seen previously, able to reproduce far more quickly than before. Changes ascribed to the cloning and genetic modification experiments undertaken on them 
by both the UPP and the team aboard Anchor Point. This concept bears striking similarities to the clone xenomorphs featured in Alien Resurrection, which were similarly altered, albeit unintentionally, through cloning attempts. Gibson also touches upon the idea of xenomorphs created from organisms other than humans, with one scene briefly featuring xenomorphs born from lemurs, kept in an eco-module aboard Anchor Point. Later, even vegetation is apparently taken over by the xenomorph infection. And also, so I said briefly at the beginning that there was a second draft produced by um, Gibson. The first draft, first draft is widely available, but Gibson's second draft of the script is relatively unknown and hard to find. While it contains the same overall plot and setting as the first screenplay, it is in fact a very different take on the story, featuring less action, fewer human characters, and far fewer xenomorphs that stalk them. Instead of a bustling, heavily populated space station, space station housing the small contingent of colonial marines, Anchor Point is manned only by a skeleton crew, while its construction is completed and the personnel stationed there have access to almost no weaponry. Um, so that kind of leads a little bit closer to, in a way, closer to Alien 3, you know, so there's no weapons, um, you know, there's no, no Marines, there's no, um, well, actually, well, this one, the second, there was a, a small contingent of Colonial Marines, but a very small crew, um, and a lot less means to defend themselves, kind of like what we ultimately saw in Alien 3, um. Another noteworthy, ugh, another noteworthy refinement in the second draft is that a glaring plot hole in the original version, the presence of two xenomorph warriors aboard the Sulaco when it arrives at Anchor Point, despite there being no conceivable way they could have got there, is corrected. In the second draft, the UPP commando, who is attacked by a facehugger, is not flushed into space, and his colleagues are forced to leave him aboard the ship. The drone that emerges from sub subsequently goes into hiding aboard the vessel. When the team from Anchor Point boards the Sulaco, they are not attacked by xenomorphs. There is no firefight in the hypersleep bay. Instead of being destroyed by flame, Ripley's cryotube is said to have been damaged by the commando when he was attacked by the facehugger earlier. The drone later gets abor aboard Anchor Point, and only then does it begin killing the crew. <clears throat> Apart from the drone, the only other xenomorphs in the story are the hybrid that Wells transforms into and the genetically modified creature created in the UPP labs, which is killed when the station is destroyed with a nuclear weapon. Um, there's a lot more... Well, there's quite a bit more uh, trivia um, and some additions and alterations to the, to the, uh, the second draft of the script. Um, and there is on, which is on that AVP wiki uh, site, um, and there's also access to the actual transcript of the first draft. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot here. Oh, one more bit of trivia. Um, while essentially none of Gibson's script was used in the final film, his screenplay features a character with an identifying barcode tattoo, a concept that was used for the inmates in Alien 3. Gibson also describes specialist order soldiers who wear white suits encased in disposable biohazard envelopes of filmy translucent plastic, mirroring the look of some of the scientists dispatched to Fiorina 161 in the film. 
So, yeah, a lot of... Uh, it's a really interesting draft of the script. Um, and a lot of... I think it would have been really interesting to see it on screen. Um, not sure how it would work, especially with Ripley hardly being in it at all. But, um, but yeah, it was really, uh, really interesting to read up about it. And um, obviously not a lot went, made it from that script to the final film. Um, just kind of some minor details, but, uh, but some of the, the other stuff from it made it, um, made it into the future films. Obviously really Scott's prequels, um, got into, you know, got into those details a little bit more. Um, and he's probably pretty influenced by, by the Gibson script as I'm sure, um, you know, Walter Hill and David Geiler, who've been involved in every, iteration of uh alien franchise um they obviously took notes from from the script and so it was uh pretty influential um and yeah so that is basically a summary of william gibson's alien 3 script and i uh, hope you enjoyed it and thanks a lot for listening